ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome, everyone, to the Nosebleeds Podcast. Uh, I'm Michael Calamori, joined here by Sam Davis. Today is Wednesday, January 20th. And Sam, past weeks in this show, I keep talking about this, slow-moving market. There's not been a lot of news to talk about. But yesterday, there was a big move made by the, made by the Blue Jays to sign George Springer. The deal was six years, $150 million. And I just want to get your thoughts right off the bat. How are you feeling about this move made by the Blue Jays? Yeah, I mean, initially, I was a little surprised just because of exactly what you said. It's been a very slow offseason, so it's almost like we're not even expecting anything to happen, even though we know there's these guys out there and they're going to get signed somewhere Um, to the Blue Jays. Honestly, it surprised me a little. I I still expected Cohen and the Mets to go and get him, and we'll talk about that and get into that and see what the Mets are planning on now, not getting Springer. But overall, I mean, honestly, for the Blue Jays, I will give them credit. I think they they were really after Springer all this entire offseason. They got their man, and they got exactly who they wanted to kind of fill that leadoff spot and be that veteran presence in a younger clubhouse there in in Toronto. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's a really good move for the Blue Jays. This wasn't a team that really needed uh, some hitting help. I mean, they were above average hitting team all year. They were seventh in runs scored in 2020. So I think that this wasn't a need specifically. I think center field was always a position they wanted to go after and get catcher. They talked about getting and they want to re to at first, but I think they prioritize center field now. Uh, I think this is a good move though, but the, this is where I have uh, some questions with the move. I think the blue Jays are a team that really needs to build that pitching staff up. I mean, I look at that pitching staff. I see uh, Ryu, Roark, Robbie Ray. These are a lot of middle rotation guys. And I think that that leaves a lot of questions about, do you have a guy who can leap into that number one starter role, which I think a playoff team needs is a certified ace. And I think um, Pearson is a question. He's been a great, he was a sixth overall pick. He's a really good young talent. He made his debut last year, but there's a lot of questions on if he will be, a really good pitcher. So I think we'd have to wait and see what a guy like that, but I would have liked to see the blue Jays go out and get a real ace. I'm not saying Bauer. I don't think um, Bauer w- uh, was interested in the blue Jays. Not that I know of, but I still think they need to make a move for a starting pitcher. I think the spring moves helps obviously when you get a player that talented, but if I'm the blue Jays, I think you really got to focus on starting pitching now to really make the next step. I'm not ready to call the blue Jays a contender yet. I think they still need the starting pitching to be called that. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really good point because a lot of uh, people, when this trade broke, were talking about Springer and how in the playoffs and big moments, you know, he, he plays very well, even in 2020, after obviously the fallout of the sign stealing scandal there, he still had a very good season, regular season. And then come playoff time, he, he had a bunch of home runs and played really well for that Astros team going to the ALCS. So that's something big to note, but the Blue Jays have to get there first. And it's not just yeah. going to be George Springer. It's the guys around him too, like you just said. And, and I think Springer could definitely help a playoff team, uh, kind of leading that team, especially with a bunch of young guys. But they do need some, some pitching help to really get over the hump, especially in that division against the New York Yankees, obviously, who are by far and away favorites to win that division. Um, with the expanded playoffs, I mean, 
I'm a little more optimistic. I, I could see the Blue Jays, you know, potentially making the playoffs and then who knows what happens, you know, in the playoffs, especially expanded playoffs, especially with a short series. They could make, I could see them making a little bit of a run, but I, but overall, I totally get your point in that in terms of any chance of, of contending for a World Series here, the Blue Jays certainly need a lot of help with that pitching staff. Um, they got some, some promise there. And, and I think their younger stars, especially in that lineup, that lineup is going to be unbelievably fun to watch, I think, lineup. this yeah. year. And, and I think um, comparing to the Yankees from a strictly lineup standpoint, it's 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 interesting it's an interesting co comparison you'd never think to say that the, the, the toronto blue jays and the new york yankees lineup wise can even be in the same sentence but i mean with mm -hmm. springer in this lineup i think you can make that argument but in terms of that starting pitching it's obviously the weak link um and, and i think even the yankees too another interesting comparison their starting pitching is is the weak link as well so um the yankees have some better options there i think though and We'll have a much better chance at advancing into the playoffs but for the blue jays i agree with you i think it it, it starts and ends with the starting pitching if they're going to go out and get someone i'd be i'd be surprised because i think they're content where they are now and will move to get even better in the future you know maybe even next off season um, i think they're trying to make big steps in the right direction and this springer move i think is that first important step towards becoming that that contender that they want to be yeah, I do think this is an important first step. I mean, you compared the Yankees and the Blue Jays. I think that's important. I mean, they're in the same division. And, I mean, I was uh, reading up on the Blue Jays and some people's opinions. They're ready to call them uh, contenders for the division title. I'm not there yet. No. I think that uh, when you just compare the Yankees and the Blue Jays outright, I take Garrett Cole over any of the Blue Jays pitchers by a mile. Yeah. And I think even if the Yankees is less deep of a pitching staff, I think the Blue Jays are pretty deep. They've got a lot of middle of the rotation guys and there's guys like Rourke, Robbie Ray, who I think have cemented themselves as at least a three or four in a rotation. And the Yankees have more question marks. They've got like Debbie Garcia. They've got guys like King that are less proven and you might not know what kind of product you're going to get out of them. So I think that the blue Jays may be deeper, but when you've got a guy like Cole, I think that's just a game changer. I mean, when the Yankees have Cole on the mound, it felt like they were in the contention to win any game that year. And I and this is where I also think I think we're going to see a different Garrett Cole next year. Hmm. So I think when you think about that, I mean, he was a first year Yankee first time with that team in that division. I think there's a lot of a learning curve. So to get back to my point, I think that I'm taking the Yankees pitching staff maybe over the Blue Jays. And I think the lineups are around the same. And I think the bullpens are around the same. So when you look at it that way, I think the Yankees are still the favorites in this division. I think the Blue Jays have a little bit to go to be there. I mean, if, if you want to talk about comparing them to the Rays, I think it's a different discussion. But for division title, I'm not there yet with the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't think I think the Yankees for sure are set up for success now. And they're and they're they're in a different uh, scenario, I think, in terms of the organization. The Yankees are basically World, I, I hate to say it, but World Series are bust over the next couple of years. They're going for it. You know, they're 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 all in and they have been for years with this with this window that they have with these young players. But the, the Blue Jays are in a much different scenario. I think they're they're on the way and they're getting there and they're building and they're looking towards the future, even next offseason or down the road to to build even more and, and maybe add that big starting pitching piece. Because I think in this in this market, which we talk about a lot, it's been slow, like we mentioned in the start of the show. I don't know if there's a piece out there for the Blue Jays to go and get that'll really be that that number one that they need, other than a guy like Trevor Bauer, who 
I don't think they're looking at it. I don't think Trevor Bauer wants to go there anyway. So just right now in this off season, I don't think the Blue Jays have that big option to go and get, maybe they can get a, um, a lower starting pitcher, but, a, but an ace, I don't think is really out there in, um, in this market this, this year. So I think if you're the Blue Jays, if you're a Blue Jays fan, you're content with getting Springer. You're obviously very happy with getting George Springer. And you're content that in the future, down the road, they're going to keep building, hopefully, towards that eventual opportunity to to take off the Yankees and potentially win that division. Yeah, I think this is definitely a team that's building towards the future. There's no doubt about that. And I think a lot of the lineup pieces that you look at with this team are really like future guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you Bichette, we know he's proven he's a really he's a great player. I think you can expect him to come out in 2021 and be one of the best shortstops in the league, but guys like Gavin Biggio, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, these are younger talents that we've, we've heard about and we're expecting them to do great things. But I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Had a lot of hype around him last year, but he ended up coming up. He had, he showed promise, but he yet to show like one of the better players in MLB that were talked about, about him, that he would be one of those better players. So I think there's a lot of faith putting into that. These young players are going to develop into the players. We expect them to be, I think, the Blue Jays at their best maybe are a similar lineup to the Yankees. I think you can compare those two, but I think the Yankees have a lot of proven guys and there's a lot of question marks with the Blue Jays lineup. So that's why I'm also not quick to jump to any conclusions with this team. I think that personally, I would take a team like the Rays over them. They always find a way to win. I mean, they lost Blake Snell, but I think they're going to be at the top of that division regardless. They were the one of the best teams in baseball, best team in the AL last year. So I think that there's a lot of question marks with this Blue Jays team. And if I had to say, I don't see them leapfrogging the Rays or the Yankees in that division. And with the expanded playoffs, I think they're on the edge of that playoffs. I think they get in and maybe they make some noise when they get in. Like you said, Springer, great postseason player, um, World Series MVP. So he definitely could help them when they get to that point. But at the same time, it's yet to be seen what the playoffs are going to look like, how many teams they're going to let in. So I think that's really going to determine whether the Blue Jays are a playoff team or not. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you make a good point, especially about the Rays too, which we haven't really talked about much here. But you never know. It feels like the Rays are always going to find a way to be contenders no matter what, and, and at least for the division uh, these most recent years. I mean, even last year, we didn't expect them to go all the way that they did and be how good they were. So. I think the Rays you're going to always have to look out for. They're always going to be up there in the division, at least with the expanded playoffs, making the playoffs at that number two spot in the AL East. I agree with you there. I think the Blue Jays um, have certainly have a chance to make the playoffs out of that number three spot. You could see three teams from the AL East. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. But I, I like your point about the question marks in the lineup because, I mean, these guys are certainly young Um but a lot of people bank on these on these guys to just be everything that everyone says they're going to be, which you don't really know with young players. You know, you, you haven't really seen that consistent uh, production from some of these guys that I think uh, fans and everyone is just kind of projecting them to be, you know, especially Vlad Guerrero is a good example. You've seen moments where he looks like an amazing player that everyone is hyping him up to be. But you see other moments where he's very inconsistent and not exactly being the player that people think. So that's something to look out for too, is are all these guys going to deliver and be exactly what everyone thinks they're going to be? That's just, I think, a little bit of a question mark going into this year for the Blue Jays. 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark. I think they'll figure it out in a few years. I mean, I think they're a future team in the AL East. I think they're a future team in the AL. I think them and the White Sox are two of the most exciting teams in the AL. So I think that's really promising that they have so much young talent. But to say they're going to make the move next year, I think, is a lot. I think they signed. They get Springer for six years. So there's not a rush to make a move right now. I think that down the line, they can be a team that can contend. And listen, if you don't get to the front of the AL East this year or the front of the AL this year, then I don't think it's a loss of a season, but I still think it's good that you got a guy like Springer and your lineup's very strong. And then down the line, you'll compete with the teams like the Yankees and the Rays. But when we're talking about Springer, we also have to talk about the Mets who offered Springer 120, 125 million was reported that they had offered that deal to Springer. Springer elects to take the 150 to go to the Blue Jays. Mets were definitely big players trying to bring Springer in. That was talked about. But as we got closer to the deal that came in yesterday, it seemed like the Blue Jays were the top contender to bring in Springer. So I think an interesting thing that you need to talk about is what do the Mets do now? They need a center fielder that's been talked about. Nimmo's not really a great defender in center field, has a good bat, but he's naturally a left fielder. So do you keep him in center? Do you go out and get a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr.? Do you maybe focus on bringing in Bauer? There's a lot of different directions the Mets can go in. Sam, what do you think they should do? I mean, first of all, I just want to say in terms of uh, the Mets with Springer, I'm always I'm, I'm surprised when when Steve Cohen gets outbid on a player, because that normally, you know, you, you don't see that happening. No. And it hasn't happened this offseason, to be honest. He's gone out and got everyone he's wanted to get. So in my mind, I think there must be some sort of, you know, ulterior motive here for the Mets and some other ideas that maybe they didn't even want Springer that bad. And maybe they have other options that they're, that they're considering. And I think Jackie Bradley Jr. is certainly one of them. And I'm not going to sit here and compare him to George Springer because that isn't fair, especially offensively, not even close to fair. Um, and Jackie Bradley has certainly struggled a lot offensively in the past, but he has improved a lot lately. And that's something to note. And, and he plays a really good defensive center field which like you said, I mean, Nimmo has struggled defensively there. So that's really what the Mets need. They, the Mets need someone to play a good defensive center field. They can fit his bat in the lineup. He'll be okay in the lineup. He's been better. He's hit off better offensively. Nimmo will be able to go to left field, which will help him as well, both defensively and Nimmo will continue to produce on the offensive side of the ball. So I think maybe the Mets were, were thinking about him when they decided to make this move. Um, I just think, honestly, it's just a surprise that that Cohen um, didn't decide to pull the trigger and, and go over 150 million. But I'm okay with that, to be honest. And I think most Mets fans are overall okay with that because you you got your guy in Francisco Lindor. I think they they probably would like to keep under that luxury tax threshold down the road, which is something that they're thinking about too. Um, Cohen, I'm sure, is thinking about that as well. You're going to have to sign Lindor for a long-term deal, which I I think every Met fan totally wants. So that's something you got to think about too, in terms of money down the road. So I think going for a little bit of a cheaper option, like Jackie Bradley Jr. won't hurt your team. I think that he'll help a lot defensively. He'll fill in a role in the lineup down at the bottom there that he'll do his job. And, and I think um, that's certainly a good option for the Mets to target here, especially because they're looking for a defensive outfielder. Jackie Bradley Jr. is your guy when it comes to that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've talked about Jackie Bradley Jr. being a great fit for the Mets on the show before. I, I, I agree with everything you said. I think he does a lot for the team. He helps them defensively. This is a team that needs help defensively in the outfield, especially. I mean, with Nimmo in center and then Dominic Smith in left, they're a good hitting team, but they don't give you the best defense that you might want. And I think Nimmo in left and Bradley in junior, maybe Dominic Smith in left, gives you a lot better defense. I mean, you talked about how he struggled in the past, Jackie Bradley Jr. at the plate. Last year, you said how he has gotten better. I mean, he went from 225 batting average. He leaped to 283. I mean, he's made efforts to get better at the plate. And listen, it might not translate to next year. 2020 uh, was such a short season, 60 games. So it's really hard to tell with these guys. But nonetheless, I think that the he showed promise at the plate. So I think it's a good move if the Nets bring a guy like that in, who maybe isn't the, great, the greatest hitter, but is a solid glove. I mean, he's a gold glove winner and mm-hmm. – he definitely can make an impact for the Mets. And listen, if you sign a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., you can worry about extending Lindor, Conforto, like you mentioned. And that by, might be of more importance for the Mets than bringing in a guy like Springer and adding a new guy. And I also think like the Mets are going to be big spenders for years. So if they miss out on a Springer, I think there's going to be guys in the future that are going to, that are going to come up that they can maybe get their um, spend money on and bring them in. I think a guy like Chris Bryant, maybe they can bring in some people like that, that are big guys that are going to come off the books in a few years that they can sign. So I also think that they don't need to make any moves right now. I think Bauer would be great. Who wouldn't want Trevor Bauer on your team, but there's not really a rush. So if you get a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. on a smaller deal and then worry about extending guys, I think you're in a good position if you're the Mets. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I agree with you. I just don't think they were really worried about getting George Springer. I think they Doesn't wanted, like that, no. they, I'm, I'm sure they wanted, I mean, obviously they wanted him. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it was their urgent decision to go get him, especially after Lindor. And like you said, I think they're thinking long-term with Lindor. He's their guy for, for, for a long time down the road. And, and you make up, a, you bring up another really good point is that there are other years. Steve Cohen is not the is not the owner of the Mets for one season. You know, there's years yeah. down the road where he's going to really help this team and, and make some of those big moves as well. It's not just this season, so you got to be a little bit patient. I think uh, the Mets got exactly what they needed this season. They're going to continue to add, um, and that's that's the biggest thing. It's like it's it seems like Cohen is never done and never finished. Same with Sandy Alderson there. They're always looking to add and improve this team, which is really reassuring. And I think um, down the road, they're going to continue to look at like guys, like you said, maybe a Chris Bryant somewhere and they'll see, I think overall, maybe Springer, they felt like wasn't the perfect fit, wasn't worth what, what the blue Jays were looking to pay for him. So they decided, okay, we'll focus on signing Lindor and we'll focus on getting a different option in the outfield, a little bit of a cheaper option in Jackie Bradley jr. And also I want to bring up, um, the name Brad Hand, who they're also looking at here in this market, which uh, yeah. originally there were there were seemed to be very serious talks that he was definitely going to the Mets. I think it was about a week ago, and now it's sort of, you know, foot off the gas a little bit here. But the other teams in, in competition for Brad Hand are uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, who obviously not anymore because they got uh, not only Springer but also Kirby Yates, Kirby Yates who, who's, yep. who's that guy that they needed. Um, so they went that direction instead. So it's basically a two-team race here between the Mets and the Astros for Brad Hand. And Brad Hand has talked very closely with the Mets. I'm not sure what he's done with the Astros. It doesn't seem like he's been linked as closely to, to going there. So it seems like the Mets are, are the best fit 
for him. And he had a really good year last year. I know it's 2020. It's a weird year. It's a shortened year and stats aren't as important, but he did have a really good year ERA wise. And, and, and uh, I think he could be certainly a good addition to that bullpen because they do need help there as well. And that just points, I think, to the bigger idea that um, Cohen and Sandy Alderson are, are always going to make the moves and they're always going to look for ways to improve the team. And, and that's something that I'd be very confident in because even if you do lose out in George Springer in this scenario, you're still confident in this front office of the Mets to go out and get whatever the Mets need down the road. And, and that's just something that you don't even have to worry about not getting George Springer because there are going to be other free agents in the future um, next season or the years after. Um, they're going to be very pushing towards signing Lindor long-term and they're going to do whatever they can for this Mets team, whatever they need to get, get themselves to a world series. I think this front office is going to do, and that's just a comforting feeling. If I were a Met fan, very comforting, um, to think about. So you don't really worry too much about George Springer because all the Mets can do in that front office in the future. Yeah. I, you mentioned Brad hand and I think that's a move that will eventually get done. I mean, it reminds me a lot of LeMahieu and the Yankees where there's talks about they're close to a deal. They're not. I think the uh, Mets will sign Brad Hand. You mentioned how last week, I think Ken Rosenthal reported that the two were like closing on an agreement, but then he retracted his report and said, that's not true. They're in talks, but they haven't come close to an agreement yet. If you're a Mets fan, you hope you bring him in. You help out that bullpen. I think Diaz was a really good uh, reliever for you last year, but there needs to be more help there. And I think that Brad Hand could help that. I think it points to a lot of what you're saying, like bringing smaller pieces. Maybe you don't need the big guns like Springer since you got Lindor. And I think Hand, maybe Jackie Bradley Jr., some of the smaller pieces we've talked about could help the Mets be maybe a possible contender in that division next year. So it's really going to be exciting to see. But with all things Mets, we also have to talk about other things. And earlier this week, there was a report that came in Monday. ESPN reported that Mets GM Jared Porter sent over 60 explicit photos and texts to a female reporter in 2016. And this was while Porter was a director of scouting for the Cubs. Now, yesterday, Tuesday morning, Steve Cohen took to Twitter and announced, quote, we have terminated Jared Porter this morning. In my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity and I meant it. There should be zero tolerance for this type of behavior. Obviously, terrible news if you're a Met fan and also terrible news if you just see how this plays out that a guy like Jared Porter could have done these actions in 2016 and then be hired by the Mets a month ago, basically facing no consequences for his actions for so long. Sam, I just want to get your reaction to this. How are you feeling about this news? I mean, it's, it's a really difficult situation. It's something obviously tough to talk about, something that we don't want to talk about, but we have to talk about it. It needs to be talked about. And, and um, I will say that the Mets, you know, obviously did the right thing here. Um, as soon as the news broke, as soon as there was reports of what Porter had done, um, within a day, the Mets had decided, obviously, to fire him, which was the right decision here. Um, you don't really want that unprofessionalism uh, in your front office, especially with a new guy that they just recently hired. So, um, And I think this, this issue kind of speaks to just a, a broader issue here um, of just gender uh, inequality and, and, and in a position of power. And also uh, a language barrier, which makes things even more difficult um, because in this situation, that's something that came into play um, with the woman reporter. So that made things even more difficult. Um, and I think that's just an issue that really, I think maybe this situation can call to and, and, and address um, so that, 
you know, uh, the, in terms of, you know, in this business, I think gender inequality is kind of a big issue and, and especially in a position of power, you know, in that situation. So I think that's something that you can always look at and work to improve um, and at least address. And, and maybe this scenario, I guess, um, will be a good opportunity to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the gender inequality, especially in the reporting business, and then like you said, Jared Powers, someone in position of power, I think that all these just highlight the inequalities. And I think it's important for you to learn from it. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways you can come from this. And I think the Mets did a great thing. They, hi they fired him uh, right away as soon as they heard the news. Um, Steve Cohen did a good job taking Twitter. Uh, it's not really on the Mets that much. I mean, if they had known about it and still hired him, obviously that would have been um, not correct. Scenario. But they were not aware of this. And as soon as they found out, they fired him. I think the biggest question is how something from 2016 doesn't become public until uh, now. And then teams are hiring him in big positions and he's had these uh, uh, misconduct. So I think a lot of this is important. I think the a big takeaway is that you just want to try to prevent situations like happening in the future. Hopefully people can learn from situations like this and have takeaway uh, things that are important and avoid being in situations like this. And uh, I think it's also not the best look for the Mets, although they didn't know about this news. Um, it speaks to the hiring process. How did they go about hiring Jared Porter? Who did they talk to? And I think that's something that's important to talk about because Obviously, you're not going to be expecting this type of news when you're hiring someone, but you should still do the best, uh, your best job of trying to find the character of the person and seeing is this the type of person we want in our front office. So I, there's definitely a lot to talk about here. And for the Mets, you're not expecting to find out this news. So although it's not on them since they didn't know it, it still is not the greatest look for the franchise that's trying to head in a new direction with Steve Cohen. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. You know, it's like, what, what's the process here of hiring a guy like this? What are you going through? I think maybe the Mets need to relook that and, and think more about that. And um, in terms of the GM situation with the Mets, I think they're going to take a little while to, to really think about who their best option is. And it seems like they're not in a rush to hire anyone new right now um, with Sandy Alderson there. So we'll see what they do. I think um, for sure, it's going to call for the, not only the Mets, but honestly, every organization in baseball to really consider um, the process of hiring someone and the process of looking at the person's character, which is the most important thing when building a culture and, and uh, especially with the New York Mets, a new look here with the owner, they're trying to build a very, a very specific culture, a better culture. Um, and that starts with, with the front office and all the way down to the players. Um, so they're going to have to really, really do some soul searching here and think about uh, better ways to um, interview and hire and, and at least understand the character of the guys they're considering bringing in to this organization. Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree with all those things you said. And um, hopefully we can just move on and there can be um, a, um, stuff done to prevent stuff like this from happening in the future. But uh, that will do it for today's episode of Nosebleeds. We talked about Springer. We talked about the free agency news. We talked about the Mets. Hope you guys had a uh, good time listening. And thank you for all our listeners for tuning in. From Sam Davis, I'm Michael Calamari. Thank you for joining us. Have a great rest of the week.